Reptile Gumbo Podcast. I'm James Lewis from Simply Serpents. And I'm April Justine from Designer Exotics. Each week, we'll discuss what is happening in herpetoculture on social media, YouTube, and even on other podcasts. We will share our opinions and thoughts on current events, as well as the opinions of you, the listener. Make sure to check out our Facebook and Instagram for interactive polls and posts where you can tell us what you were thinking. Then listen for your name each week as we share your opinions on the podcast. So sit back and relax. Here's the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. Welcome to episode 25 of the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. How's it going, April? That's a quarter of a century now, isn't it? It is. 25. <laughs> you had to like pause for a second. <laughs> Look, don't be trying to get me to do math. School hasn't started back yet. Oh, man, that's funny. Heck yeah, man, 25 episodes. That's exciting. I feel like we're doing it. That's like more than half a year. That's impressive. That's, Wait, no. No, that's it. It's yeah, no, it's, right less, under it's, it's just under. See, look, you can't do math either. Ne- I was next just going to say, next talk about math whiz, man. <laughs> oh, look, That's for a crazy. There, for a second there, I was like, wait a minute, how many weeks are in a year? I had to do that. I was like, it's 52 oh. for anybody out there listening and not sure yeah. how many weeks are in a year. Well, that was embarrassing. And, tw- well, and 25 is not half of 52 in case anybody's well, curious. Way to embarrass myself for the day. Hopefully I got it out of the way. Doubt. It won't be others. <laughs> You had an eventful uh, couple days. Oh my goodness, yes. So my blood python clutch has hatched, and I did hit the golden eye T negative uh, blood python. So I'm super excited about that, and I was so nervous because all these little heads that were popping up were little normal colored heads, and there was two albinos. And so I kind of like opened up the slit that it made so I could see what it looked like. I'm like, oh, that's definitely a normal T-negative. I'm like, oh, gosh, I only have one chance now. And then I couldn't tell, couldn't tell. And then finally at the end of last night, um, I was it was shaped enough. Uh, I posted a picture of it, but it's, its body, its uh, back was towards the top of the egg. So I was able to peek at it. I'm like, heck, yeah, I definitely got it. So I'll post a picture of it fully out of its egg. So that now makes um, it the – well, I guess anybody else might have created them this year, but – You've already created three, right? This one makes it the fourth one? No. So those were 007. So that's, that's right. the, the golden eye plus a matrix. So this one's just a golden eye. I, I kind of skipped ahead last year, and now I went more back to basics this year. <laughs> but I always wanted one. So I'm really James, glad I have one now. Look, y'all's James Bond shit is confusing. I know. I don't know who started that. I need to figure it out so I can hunt them down. <laughs> yeah, that's – oh. Anyways, I'm not a fan. <laughs> it's that is awesome. Well, like you you had sent me a message when they first started coming. And you're like, oh, there's one left, and I don't think I'm going to hit the odds. I was like, there's still one left. Don't give up yet. I know. I'm so excited. I was yeah. I was so excited. And then, um, as everyone should know by now who listens, I'm traveling for work um, to Little Rock, Arkansas, and Ryan Rumbly lives out here. So I actually brought all my babies that have hatched so far, which are my three Borneos and nine Bloods, and he's going to keep them for me. Um, since babies kind of need a little bit more tending to as they, they make total messes, uh, at least baby blood pythons doing Borneos and short tails and such. So thank you, Ryan, for helping me out and helping me uh, take care of them while I'm away. So, Because you also keep, you keep those on, like we said before, but you keep them on water. So they're basically living in a, an aquarium for the first however long. Yeah, they were. Um, Ryan hates that. And so we switched them <laughs> off. <laughs> so now they're on uh, sphagnum moss. So. 
So they should be good to go. And he checks them all the time. So I'm not even worried. I get like update pictures. It's only been a day and I've already gotten update pictures. So <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I don't I'm have, excited for. I don't have any new babies. I still have a pregnant female and I think it sounded like a storm was coming through. So maybe tonight, I don't know. I'm, I've given up. Is she going to drop them like it's hot? I hope so. I'm, I'm ready to get the last letter <laughs> out of the way, get all that done. Uh, I had a busy, me. I finally put up like my last or my nine babies that I had left from the first letter of the year on morph market. Cause I'm a slacker and it took me forever to do it. So I finally put them up and then over the last two days I've sold four off of there. Hell yeah. So I'm about to really, uh, upset my FedEx hub tomorrow when I show up with boxes of snakes. Turn your sound off on messenger. James. I, I just did. <laughs> maybe, maybe you shouldn't be messaging the group while we're. While we're chatting. messaging your wife, dang it. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> anyway, let's, let's, uh, oh, are you still talking? I'm still, sorry. I'm, still talking. Still talking. I'm so sorry. I tried to cut you off about your little boas. What a bitch. I'm anyway, sorry. <laughs> last time I went to go ship a snake, uh, I, the woman found out it was a sn- uh, snake in the box. I didn't tell her, but some of the customers figured out and we were talking and she goes, I don't think you can ship that. I was like, no, I can. She goes, I don't think so. And she went to the back and she was like, oh, okay, you can ship it. I'm like, yeah, I know. I was like, cause I use, uh, I don't want to say the wrong company cause Debbie will kill me if I say the wrong thing, but I use reptiles to you. you know, reptiles to, my brain that is, yes. I just don't really get the boxes cause Debbie will kill me if I say it wrong, but I use reptiles to you. So like Debbie's my go-to last time I was in there, a woman said, I don't think you can ship that. I got right on the Facebook message. was like, Hey Debbie, I may have to call you in a minute because if you ever have an issue and you ship the reptiles to you, Debbie's the person she'll call whoever and she'll put the fear of God in them. She's so good about that. Her customer service is so good. Oh man. Yeah. You, you call, you get her and then she calls immediately to wherever she has to call and she gets your stuff sorted out. But she have, it's not like she has issues that often, but they do come up. Sometimes people just don't know the rules and the laws and all that stuff. So yeah, tomorrow I gotta go drop off packages at FedEx. So that should be fun. My FedEx person knows me by name <laughs> and knows that I just bring snakes and get snakes. <laughs> It's just funny that whole that whole process is weird because like I've got one person in Texas buying one and one person in Mississippi buying one, but both their snakes are going to end up in Memphis with you for the night and yep. then leave Memphis and come back down to Mississippi and yep. Texas. It's so silly, isn't it? It's a it's a weird system. But oh, well, it's really hot and humid in Memphis, so yeah, that. I've got those uh, what are the cryo twenty two packs or whatever. Mm-hmm. I've already put them in the freezer. They'll be ready tomorrow when I package them up. So. Good. Awesome. Super excited. It empties out some spaces in my rack for this new litter that's coming. And new people get baby snakes that they love. Yes. So Yay. if anybody out there wants Samboas, I have Samboas. I have lots of Samboas. And I'm, <laughs> and more Samboas. <laughs> and more Samboas. <laughs> I counted it. Like If this girl has about the number I expect her to have, that'll put me at like 60 babies currently. Oh, man. Yeah. But I mean, they'll, they'll go quick as soon as I start going to shows again. Yep. So anyways, let's go on to our guest. We said last time that we were going to choose uh, one of the people that responded to our last post online asking what was your favorite thing about our podcast up to this point. And we were going to choose a guest from our listeners. And we did. So April, if you want to go ahead and introduce our guest. Our guest is Darren Watson. How are you, Darren? I'm doing very well. Thank you, guys. How are you both doing? We are fab. I'm going to answer for James. <laughs> um, so, Darren, you have been 
in our lives, James and I's lives, for a very long time through the chat with, um, with Joe and his podcast, actually. I see you pop up all the time there. Yeah, I've been following Joe since probably their fifth or sixth episode, something like that. Awesome, except today, because we stole you. Of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah, suck it, Joe. <laughs> Just kidding, Joe, we love you. Um, uh, so, Darren, tell us a little bit about what you keep and kind of uh, your history in this hobby. Well, I currently have a one-ball python. Um, I have a blood python, which is a T-negative. And about a month ago, I picked up a tarantula who recently went into pre-mulch, so I haven't seen him in a few weeks. So. <laughs> Essentially, own a pile of dirt. So, <laughs> yeah, that happens with them. <laughs> but I've been in and out of the hobby for well over twenty years, I guess. Um, I've owned ball pythons from tasks. I've owned uh, iguanas. I've owned more tarantulas. I've owned a Burmese, and I think that's about it. Hello. So, was it a green iguana? Yes. Yep. I had two of those. How were they? Um. Well, fortunately, we I had them in college, so um, we didn't have them too long. The first one we um got rid of because we got caught by the RAs. Then we picked up another one, and <laughs> the second one we um traded for ball pythons. So. But the green iguanas, we only kept them for maybe four or five months. Well, you have April's favorite blood python. Yes, oh, of course. he knows that. <laughs> we have talked on the side about these bloods before. I so, love yeah, uh, blood pythons are probably one of my favorites. They are my favorite snake. And then after I got in the hobby, I discovered the T negative, which I fell in love and I wanted one ever since. Yeah, so I'm April, doing like a celebration dance with my hands <laughs> in the air. We got another one. So April, in, in bloods, what is more popular right now, T negative or T positive? Um, I think uh, that's actually hard to say because I would say actually T positive, um, but yeah. T negatives I think are starting to come up because the people that are newer into blood pythons seem maybe like seventy five percent of them go for a T negative. So. I think we're going to see more of that coming through soon, which is fun. That's kind of like for me. Well, that's kind of like boas. The VPI, the T positives are really big right now in boas, but I think people are starting to get back into the T negative stuff just because one, the price point's always better, but there's better looking T negatives now, which I'm sure is the same with y'all. There's better looking exactly. stuff now. Mm-hmm. They brought the T positives first that came into the United States, and so we've had more time to to selectively breed those and get more color into them, et cetera, et cetera. And now we're kind of playing catch up with the T negative. So, so there's a, there's a handful of people that are working with some really, really nice T negative animals and working on uh, keeping the the color saturation up and everything. So I'm sure we're going to see, you know, more beautiful T negatives in the future. There's not going to be many T negatives available now. Uh, just wait till baby season really gets going. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, but I agree. If you want like morph market, you barely see any. Really? Mm-hmm. That's kind of how it is with like the call, the call and the sharp albinos were around forever, which is kind of the opposite of y'all. They they were here first, and then the T positive came out. But morph market is all VPI T positive. Every time I'm like looking through snakes, 
and I can see like the beginning of what genes is. It'll be like hypo jungle, which are two things I'm looking for. And then it says het, and I can't see what it says het for. I'll click on it and be like het for VPI. I'm like, damn it, that's not what I need. <laughs> and it keeps happening. I'm like, oh, this thing looks great. And then it's head VPI. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't do anything for me. So they've gotten very popular. That's but good though. I want to go into our uh, our question for the week because I, I it was kind of a question that I'm very interested. In, you know what it was? What is your earliest reptile memory? And, and you know it's different for everybody. And they, but you start to look through it, there are some similarities in a lot of them. Uh, so let's go through a couple of them on here. Uh, Randy said for his eighth birthday, he got a rear slider. Um, his mom would never let him get a snake. Um, and they also caught uh, little fence lizards, which are cool out in California, little blue bellied fence lizards. They are I, really cool. They do, do push ups on the fence. <laughs> they do. <laughs> either one of y'all ever get a pet turtle as a kid? Yes. And then it jumped off of the counter oh, and God. committed turtle side. Actually, it cracked its shell, but that uh, did it in. No, bleh. that ended up causing it to die because no matter what we did to try to fix it and help it, it did not make it. I never received one as a pet, but I did catch some box turtles outside. I love box turtles. I love box turtles, but they're protected, which is kind of a pain. Yeah, exactly. But they're really cool. They're, they're, they're to me, if any, they would probably be the best pet turtle, bar none of all turtles on earth, if you could get them. And legally have them because I mean, size wise, they're amazing. They don't take water like aquatic turtles. They eat pretty much anything. So, but unfortunately, can't have them. I know I had one with a little. Um, I had a like bingo. Dab- Mom had a bingo dabber when I was a kid, and I put a, like a pink dot on its back. I remember. Uh, you remember the weird things when you're a kid. That's what I remember having one. I did get a radio slider once as a kid, and when they brought it to me, I was at my grandmother's house, and uh, they brought it to me at my grandmother's house. And realized that it only had three legs, and that the nub where there was should have been a leg was actually a leech attached to the nub. Oh, jeez! Had to get the leech off. I don't remember whatever happened to this turtle. I mean, it, it, it's like every other turtle that ever it was left in a tank that turned green. It was nasty as hell. It was. They're horrible pets. They're just honestly for kids. They're a horrible pet. Um, or they fall off countertops. Yeah, I think I was treating it. It had like a, a fungus on its shell. So I was treating that, and I turned around for half a second, and it went, whoop, just uh, ran right off. I how I lost my box turtle. I set it down outside, walked inside for a second, came back. It was gone. I felt horrible. My mom like went out in the woods behind her house for like an hour searching for it. Uh, just gone. They are fast. Yeah, uh, they actually really are. <laughs> but uh, have you ever seen baby box turtles? Back to box turtles for a second. Because baby box turtles are cool. They like water a little more, and they – uh. They like they're not overly dome shaped yet. They're really cute. When we were at the zoo, we had a whole like um, pin of box turtles, and then every now and then you'd end up with like baby box turtles randomly showing up in the zoo. Well, that's really exciting. Yeah, they're cute little. Because little babies are adorable. Baby anything is adorable. Uh it's not true. Uh, I mean, You're right, baby humans are ugly. Some of them definitely are, a hundred percent. And people will be like, "Babies are cute." No, they're not. People know if you have an ugly baby. Yep. Like when we were, tell you. When we were going to have our daughter, I was like, God, I hope she's cute. And we were like, you'll love her. I was like, I didn't say I wouldn't love her. I just hope she's cute. <laughs> like, because we'd sit in the office and they had pictures of other people's babies. And I'm like, oh, they shouldn't have taken pictures of that baby yet. It's not cute yet. 
<laughs> oh my god, I'm dying inside, James. <laughs> oh my god, no, like you, you gotta know if your baby's ugly. You, you've got, to, you can love it all you want, but if you look at it and the head is not like symmetrical and it looks like Dumbo ears and like, you know if your baby's ugly. I'm not saying he's not gonna be have a great personality. It just isn't pretty. People get offended right now. My baby's adorable. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> I just totally derailed you so uh, hardcore, man. Uh, oh. oh, also, proof that babies aren't cute. Uh, speaking of Travis earlier, Travis did send us a picture of a baby hairless cat, and it's not cute. I don't care what you say. Uh, okay, fine. It's a you don't little, care what I say, I won't say it. It's a little wrinkly ball sack. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, but it's so cute. <laughs> so Jason, but I, was, I always love saying Jason's left last name. I, I honestly feel like I'm saying it wrong when I say it. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, no, I said that right. But it's Jason Miloradovich. Jason, I'm just saying your, your name is a lot of fun to say. Uh, <laughs> volunteering to hold a Burmese at Marine World when he was four or five and then proceeded to argue with the guy giving reptile demonstrations about whether or not all snakes had teeth or just venomous. And he said he was wrong. Not the guy. Jason was wrong because he was four or five and he was wrong. Uh, Justin Smith said, again, having to go with scientific names. Anyways, a little, uh, st- I'm going to screw this one up. St- okay. So Justin gave me shit about not being able to pronounce names last week um, because I make fun of him not being able to pronounce stuff. Uh, screw you, Justin. That's all I had to say about that. There wasn't any more to that story. Just screw you, Justin. So a little storeria in a critter keeper with some dead leaves. Oh, that's the one. I remember hearing that story where he left it and it, it cooked in there. Oh, man. Yeah, it's not a funny. It's, it is a funny story now. It's not a funny story then. But, yeah, they, they get hot in those things. Uh, let's see some of the other ones. Oh, Ryan Cox uh, having his grandma take him out to a roadside zoo. That's cool. Uh, and then the guy in charge realized that he knew a lot about he liked all the reptiles. And he took a, the reptile area and he had to interact with like a big water monitor and a red tail and an anaconda. That's cool. Trust some of these other ones. Da, da, da. Oh, Dallas Rua. Dallas Rua, you suck also because your first memories are amazing. Did you read Dallas's answer? Mm-mm. This is it. Catching an Eastern Indigo at age 11 in Florida. What the oh, hell? That is pretty cool. And then uh, that was the uh, first thing he caught and picked up. And a few days later, he found a gopher tortoise. Right. That, he, that he illegally stashed away in a bathtub until he had to let it go. But I'm like, those are two of, the, two of my favorite North American animals. And that's, those were, that was his introduction into reptiles. So, Darren, what was your introduction or first memory of reptiles? Um, well, I took a zoology class in high school. And I remember my uh, professor had corn uh, snakes and he used to bring them in. And then I took botany class, and it was the same professor again. And again, used to bring in the corn snakes. And one of the other students in the class had a uh, common bow, and he used to bring that to class. So that was my first time I got to handle a snake in my first introduction to snakes. I love that you're like my botany class, and they brought in corn snakes. <laughs> That's how I would teach botany too. Yeah, yeah, it's the same professor. So. I, I hate botany. All right, guys, botany. It's a study of plants. Well, look at these reptiles. Yeah, I, so your first, like, foray into reptiles wasn't until late. It was high school, you said, right? My first time, well, I've always been in love with animals. My first time actually touching the snake was this, and when I was in high school. I legit but, uh, can't remember mine. 
You can't remember your first, first you can't remember your first time, April? Mm-mm. Uh, must not have been that great. <laughs> it wasn't that impressive, I guess. Um, <laughs> I, I really, I, I tried, when I thought, I'm like, I don't, I really don't know. I got my first snake when I was 15, but that couldn't have been my earliest. I just, I really, I, I don't know. I don't think I know which memory is the earliest. I can kind of figure with like, I can have several memories within probably a five year frame of my life. Like there's a picture floating around of me holding a Burmese at a circus, um, going to my grandmother's every summer and catching little green and owls. And then like ended up letting them loose in her sunroom so they could live in her sunroom. Uh, I know in, what was it? Sixth grade, seventh grade, I did a science fair experiment with green and owls where I, um, I fed, two green anoles, nothing but veggies, two, nothing but insects and two veggies and insects. And I weighed them like every three days to see how their weight uh, changed on each diet. Um, so, so what was the result? Did it matter? You'd have to go back and ask sixth grade me because 35 year old me doesn't remember at all. I just remember that I got to, I won at my school. I won at regionals and I got to state. And unfortunately, that's the last year in school where we could do science fair projects. And every year prior to that was always like the night before me trying to come up with something. And that was like the one year was like, <laughs> I planned it out and it was great. And I realized this is awesome. And they're like, oh yeah, you don't get to do these anymore, by the way. I was like, oh shit, I screwed myself on this one. Although you can't do that anymore because you can't that's use funny. any, you can't do like live stuff anymore. You can't do anything with a backbone. You can't do insects. You can't, it's really boring now. You can't use live stuff. So is it more like chemistry science then? That's like... Now it's if just you can't do life science. You're doing just chemistry. I mean, I think you can still use plants. I think they don't care about plants' feelings. Fuck them. If they die, I don't care. But well, that's rude. Yeah, but I, I was really like, I took them out. I had a little vegetable, like a little kitchen scale, where I would take them out and weigh the, the lizard each week. Or I think it was every three days, and I had them in little critter keepers under a light on my desk in my room. So I had these six critter keepers all under lights. I mean, obviously, probably not the best way to keep them. Now that I know, I mean, now they're in like just a lamp was what they were under just a, like a desk lamp, but, but at least it was controlled and they were all under the same type yeah. of environment. <laughs> it was really cool. You did well on that one. <laughs> um, right. no, but that's I, really cool though. I enjoyed it. I, it's, it's it, like, I think back to, I was like, man, that's, that was pretty good of me. Cause like, I'm seriously, every other one was pretty much made up the night before. I think I made a catapult once for science fair and it was literally done the night before my mom helped me make it. I think I did a solar system once, but just because who, I mean, there takes no thought in making a solar system. Although Pluto was a planet when I made that one. So <laughs> you're aging yourself. I know. Uh, Ryan Gosler said watching now crocodiles ambush wildebeest and zebras on documentaries about Africa. That's kind of, that's always my memory as a kid. Uh, back when national geographic, well, discovery channel actually showed like animals on it. Yeah. In actual nature. I know I saw those, but I don't know. Like, I don't really consider that like my first memory of like me watching those. I don't know. I, don't I, know. I think the first time I saw Crocodile Hunter, it was whatever year Tyson bit off Evander Holyfield's ear. Because <laughs> the only reason I know that is because first time I saw Crocodile Hunter, I was at my at my grandmother's, and I remember that was the same day, like same night that happened. So I don't know what year that was, because but whatever year that happened was the first time I saw him. And that was early. That had to be mid to late nineties. But uh oh here you go. Brian Holt said he honestly has no idea what his earliest was. Um he doesn't recall a time when he wasn't into reptiles. He doesn't hey. his mom made him an alligator cake for his third birthday. Oh that's so cool. That is cool. And then uh he also shared a, a 
a message he actually got uh, from a previous teacher who said that they remember him in school having the snakes in school and running down the hallway with them. So, but it's just, it's always neat to think about like, what was your earliest time you remember unless you're April and you don't actually remember your childhood. <laughs> I remember my childhood, just not how <laughs> reptiles came into it. So your first snake was at, you said 15. Yeah. My first one is my rainbow boa, and that was 17, I think. See, I can't even remember what made me decide to research snakes because I know I researched them first, and part of me was because I was going to be like a rebel type of teenager and whatnot. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. I get, well, I'll tell you that. I, I, I do have an earlier memory. Uh, my dad had a ball python. And this had to be like 90, maybe 90, 91, 90, somewhere in there. Um, I remember it got out. They lost it for forever. I found it in my toy box. I I mean, I I was probably like three or four. Found it in my toy box. Like, it was still alive, barely. And I remember they had to force feed it like dog food because that was how you you force feed a dog food to fix it, of course. And then uh, I remember it was afraid of chickens. It got pecked by a little chick one time and it would never go near chickens again because it was a ball python. And I mean... They, they get afraid of their own shadow sometimes. Uh, and it ended up dying. I do remember that. And then I remember first grade, we bought a red tail. We went to a little pet store and I were walking around with a little red tail in my hand. And that was the first time, I think, when I realized how afraid the general public was of snakes. Because I'm in first grade. So I'm, what is that, six or so, five or six years old, walking around with this itty bitty baby red tail in my hand. And I'd turn a corner in the pet store and people would run the opposite direction. Um, You're like, but it's not even doing anything. Like, but it, just come look. I just want to show you. Come look at it. I remember having that. I remember my dad bringing it to second grade to show and tell. He brought it up to school, second grade to show and tell, to show all the kids. And that was cool. And then we actually ended up getting rid of it because it got too big. And either I was, I don't think I was afraid. I think my mom was afraid. She keeps saying that I was afraid, but I'm pretty sure she was afraid. I don't think I was afraid of it. But That's funny. So that was the, that was the earliest moment. It was, it was interesting watching some of y'all or reading some of y'all's earliest moments. Um, which you can think back to whether it was something in the wild, you saw something in the wild or you walked into a pet store and saw it, or you saw it on TV. We all have these different moments of when, when it happened. I do remember my first reptile. Do you remember your first reptile expo? Yeah. Cause it wasn't really that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was a California super show. Oh, that's cheating. I was just close by. So I went with Terrell. So that had to have been like six years ago. Oh, wow. Darren, mm-hmm. when was your first? When was your first expo? Yeah, my first reptile show was five or six years ago, and within a three or four month span, I went to three of them. I think my first one would have been when I bought my. I mean, I'd had a uh, snake. Remember when I was a kid? But my first one when I bought my rainbow. So that'd have been two thousand three. Was my first one. It was a small one in South Alabama where I lived. Um, I bought my rainbow, and then it was probably a couple years later that I finally went to Daytona for the first time. And that's where I just, when I saw, it's probably the same way when you saw the super show. Um, but when I saw Daytona, I was like, Holy shit. Like I didn't realize this was a thing. Yeah. It's like you realize, I always say like there's levels to this. And then when you go to the super show, you're like, Oh my God, these people are crazy. And now I'm one of them. Yeah. I, I Ooh, felt, I felt like a real breeder for the first time today. While I, I set up, I had to put together four boxes to ship out and I'm doing all this. I'm like, this is the first time it feels like I'm an actual breeder that I'm selling stuff, shipping out snakes to people. I mean, I've bred snakes for several years now. It's just, it was weird to do like four boxes on one day to get ready for a big shipment. 
It's uh, my second show I attended was the Hamburg show, which I'm quite sure you guys have heard about that in the past. <laughs> Yeah, yes. I, I just want to go there to see the craziness. I was going to say the same. I just need to go once just to experience it. Is it really is like is it as wild wild west? Like you can go wherever the hell you want to there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One hundred percent. Um. Again, that was my second show, so I was still kind of new to this. And some of the stuff you see on the table, they had alligators on the table. Um. I remember seeing rattlesnakes. Like, oh my gosh! Like this. Is this legal? Like, it, it doesn't even feel right. Like, something feels suspicious. Like, this, this can't be right. That's it's just the weirdest thing. I, I've got to come there. It's because I hear, it's just, I, I picture, like, a a flea market. Exactly. But with reptiles. That's essentially, what it, that's essentially what it is, yes. And my thought is, like, that is what's going to be the downfall of us, is something like that. Because... If someone goes to, say, the Super Show or Daytona or Tinley, that's very professional looking. I yeah, mean, that's, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, everything there looks like it belongs. It looks good. There's, but I can only imagine you walk into, to, up the, into Hamburg. It's, it's got to feel wrong. Yeah, it definitely does. It definitely feels wrong. All right. I'm going to need for April and my wife to quit messaging each other because I keep getting dings in my earphones from Facebook. Stop it. All right, we'll take it to a separate chat. <laughs> I'm just annoyed because every chair I sit in squeaks, and I am annoyed. That's why I'm not moving. <laughs> I, I, tr- I changed. I moved to the couch instead, and we'll see how that goes. But so, anyways, yeah, the, for, the first reptile expo is always interesting. It's it's hard to explain an expo to someone who doesn't who doesn't do them. I guess like if you talk to people who are into guns, maybe like you ever been to a gun show? It's like that, but with snakes. Um, there's shows for like everything there are it just feels like it's so much weird i guess i've never been to because i know they have them for like up north they have them for like cats and stuff too that'd be fucking weird too like cat well, shows they show cat it, yeah, yeah. they show they, them and they get like sh- ribbons and stuff that's weird it's like a dog show but with cats yeah i don't know it just seems weird like they also have skunk ones have you ever seen those no <laughs> skunks are a huge thing they're they're a big pet and like they have skunk shows like like they would have a cat show oh well, see there's levels to this <laughs> so i don't know where at where at in the weirdness scale we are i feel like we're less weird than skunks i would say so yeah i would definitely say so well i bet you the skunk people are saying that about us ah. what was that darren <laughs> Unless they come out with some morphs, then, then we have them. They do have morphs. They do. They come in like blonde phases and like cinnamon and snow stripes. And there's like, I'm t- at some point, Google skunk shows and hopefully nothing weird shows up. But hopefully it's just <laughs> like, but uh, yeah, there's like different color. Not all just like black and white. There's a bunch of different colors. Oh, that's crazy. I remember seeing it on something on TV one time and it stuck with me. I was like, man, that's weird. And then I'm thinking, yeah, I guess what we do is weird too. So, yep. going back to stuff that's on our web on our Facebook page, uh, an article you posted this week um, about resurrecting an extinct frog. Yeah, which is super cool. And I'll be quite honest with you, I read it a week ago and can't remember all the details of it. I feel but like science, man, that's not, freaking neat. It's uh, well, and like Travis commented on there about how they can't uh, bring back dinosaurs. Uh, although I did send a meme to him and I'm waiting for him to fact check that meme 
that says they they were able to recreate a T-Rex. Just fact check that for me, Travis. That's your job. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you I'm said sure, he couldn't do it with dinosaurs, and then you posted that, and I was like, wait a minute. I know, and I'm sure I could Google it and find the true answer and read through some stuff, but that's why I have Travis Wyman. Oh my goodness! Don't take advantage of that man, please. Look, if I can't get any baked goods from him, I at least want information. <laughs> but uh, well, the whole process of bringing back extinct stuff is interesting. You know, at one point they talked about like what animals should we bring back, and people were like, "Someone was, at one point, like, woolly mammoths," and I'm like, "Oh, whoa, guys, where the hell would you put those? Those those kind of went extinct for a reason. Like, you can't just be like, hey, here's a giant hairy elephant. Let's just throw it out in the pasture. That doesn't really work that way." Our elephants are dying too, so I mean, they're not going to really make it even if they do come along. Yeah. Uh, dodo birds? I can see bringing back dodo birds. We should do that. Those are cool. Tiger. But the problem is, do we have any, I guess we, there probably is some functioning DNA from Tasmanian tiger. They have the last one probably stuffed somewhere. That would, but that's another thing. The other problem is like, that's a predator. Do you bring back a predator just to, I mean, you can't really release it because that's a whole nother uh, <laughs> nightmare if you just release it. Like, hey, guys, I know that y'all have learned to function without this predator in your ecosystem, but um, guess what? We did some shit in a lab. Here it is. That's That may Let's not be Let's just see point. how you guys do. I mean, Here you he, go. He's now your problem. Like, we were running out of cage space for the tin that we made, so we just went ahead and threw him out in the wild. Um, watch yourselves. Carry a gun. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Yeah, I think that through a little bit. So bringing back extinct stuff is interesting, but you got to kind of, if you're bringing it back just to put it on display, I get that, as long as it's going to be done right. But it's it's very hard to just bring back something from 100,000 years ago and go, hey, we're just going to go ahead and throw that in the wild now. Because that's not really how that works. But that article was neat, bringing back an extinct frog. The, the, the important thing about that is it can bring back stuff or help us be able to produce things that are maybe not extinct yet, but are very, very close. And we can produce more of them through other means than just having to have a pair of them. You know, we have a pair of these animals and if they don't, if they don't have sex together, they're done for. Cause that's kind of what's happened with, uh, was the, I think the Northern white rhino, they were all too old to have babies. And mm-hmm. so they just basically, until they die, once they die, we're, we're done. That's it. Yeah. There's like shit tons of southern white rhinos. So if you could just clone a northern white rhino, get southern white rhinos to give birth to them, you can have northern white rhinos again. Well, we're out of luck now. They were the cool ones. You ever see the pictures of like the armed guards with them? Yeah. I mean, that's some serious shit. Those guys walked around with those rhinos with guns, and if you threatened to kill them, they they had they were allowed to shoot and kill you. The um the LA Zoo would always do a fundraiser every year. It was bowling for rhinos. And then we'd raise the money and give it to um, the guards or whatever program that they have there for guarding them. So that's cool. That's, that's my kind of conservation. Like there's <laughs> like a, a tree somewhere that is like, Oh, if we cut it down. It's the last one. Just an armed guard there. Don't even come near this fucking tree. I'll shoot you. That's, that's my, that's my version. Okay. So all money now we say for conservation is just a guy and a gun. That's what we're paying for. A guy and a gun, and he lives there, and he protects whatever it is. I guess we shouldn't outlaw guns then, huh? Nope. We need guns to protect the animals <laughs> that, that we're shooting with the guns. Oh, so interesting. Uh, so that was an interesting sure. article. Uh, one thing I posted earlier this week on our, our Facebook was a live stream that the Mississippi Museum of Natural History did with Terry Vandevener. 
uh, we've mentioned Terry when we had Joe on because Terry Vandeventer is uh, he's bred Louisiana pine snakes for a long time. Um, lives in Mississippi. He did a really cool like snake presentation, a live stream where people ask questions. He showed a lot of the, all the native Mississippi snakes. Um, and I'm really enjoying this kind of stuff being online now. People, more of this coming out. Uh, these live streams and these different ways of getting information out there to people. Um, I really hope that's, like I said before, I hope it sticks around after all this. Yeah, I think that's really neat. Though I didn't have time to watch it, like having that available is really awesome. Uh, oh, you posted the Nick Mutton, the weird ass Nick Mutton picture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was cool. So it's a picture of a carpet python that he hatched out. I'm not sure which species, uh, possibly coastal. I don't know. But um, it had an eye, like only one eye, and it was basically like where the roof of its mouth would be. That's so freaking crazy. And he said that no, he gets a couple Nick, of someone, Well, someone asked if it was in its mouth, and he said no. He said it wasn't. It looks that way. It does. Well, then it must be, like, to the side. It, and like, it must be the angle that he took a picture of. Well, it looks like a Cyclops unicorn. It's got this, like, projection of head above the eye, one giant eyeball, and then this messed up mouth. It's, uh, the, the thing's called Cyclopia. Was, mm-hmm. the, was the thing. And if you might want to see, go to Inland Reptile or go on our Facebook page and you can see this. It, it's weird. He said that the other ones hatched like two weeks ago. And so he went ahead and cut this egg. It was still alive, but obviously it, there was no way it was going to happen. I mean, there's no egg tooth there. And it doesn't have an egg eyeball. It can't poke its way out with an eyeball. But. I feel like I've seen something like this um, that Jay Brewer hatched out before with retics within the past like five or six years. What's well, one of those things? I'm sure if it, ha- if it can happen in any snake, I mean, in one snake, it can happen in any of them. It's kind of like when we talked about with Travis with the uh, absent taking away color and we get these weird bug eye things in mold in different, drastically different species of snakes, whether it be Texas rat snakes or boa constrictors, you know, their, their DNA is still snake DNA. So it's not horribly different when it comes to just the forming the body. So you got to imagine if this cyclopia can happen in, in one species, it can happen in many species, if not all of them. Yep, absolutely. Other than maybe blind snakes. I assume blind snakes would not have this issue. Uh, oh, you also posted <laughs> I didn't catch it. I don't know how I didn't see when you posted it, but you also posted the, the Hoser article. Yes, yes, I did. Did you post that again? No, I did not. Um, but I was going to let you go and explain what all that was about. Oh, gosh. I, I post these things and don't fully read them, so just so you know. So if you fully read it. I can't remember which rattlesnake he decided that he was going to rename. Do you remember which one it was? I don't, but at, at any point, it doesn't matter. Don't. don't. Yeah. <laughs> he He's trying to rename one of them after himself, like he's done for many other species. And he is just kind of a joke in in science, really, you know, in our, our herpeticulture. It's just... It's annoying to so many of us, especially like if just getting the name, scientific names changed and then reclassifying things in itself is hard to, you know, sometimes you can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? So you get a new name and you have to reteach yourself. And then he's just pulling out this like crazy, stupid stuff and he's publishing it in his own non peer reviewed journal. So there's really like, no checks and balances for what he's doing. And then true scientists have to go and try to redo everything that he's messing up. It's just, it's just rude. It's well, very rude. Well, even like rattlesnakes, we've all agreed crotalus. When you, when you hear crotalus, you think, Oh, rattlesnake. 
don't don't go changing shit. We 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 all have agreed on it. You're the only person who was like, you know, we could name it something else. So it's so silly. But Raymond Hoser, he does. He's here's how messed up he is. He's besides naming things after himself, he's named a species of I mean, a snake it was after his dog. Like he's just he's he's out there just trying to get as much as uh, I'm I'm gonna. I don't want to say more, but anyways, he's a moron. He's a joke. And uh, yeah, that article talks about, it basically mentions all the stuff we've talked about, but they're trying to change. It would be one thing if you were going to, like you found something new and you were going to name it, but renaming something. I mean, I also understand. I know he's like reclassifying stuff off of like hoax science, but I mean, if it was legit and they were reclassifying things because of a legit DNA finding, because, you know, DNA has come a very long way with animals and how they're related or not related. So I can see that happening, but that's not what he's doing. <laughs> so it's like, what the heck, man? What in the world? It, it's purely a, a grab at trying to have fame. Yeah, I, you know, I want as many people out there to know who I am. But the problem is we now know who you are and no one takes you serious. Yeah. So, anyways, that article's up if anybody wants to go read it and dislike someone on the other side of the planet. Uh, that is it for stuff we posted, I think. Now I've got the stuff that uh, our guest posts, which were really good things this week. I was some... proud of myself that I even posted anything. Normally, I was very proud of you. I know. <laughs> that's not the case normally. <laughs> but you see, I barely like a half-ass read things, so, you know. It's baby steps, baby steps. <laughs> Ryan Goslow posted a San Antonio Zoo video of enrichment for Nile crocodiles. They gave him those giant. Have you ever been to a zoo and you see like the tiger enclosures? Some of those elephants they have those giant round plastic balls. Um, Don't they, they use them for horses? Yeah, horses do them. Yeah, but they gave them. They threw it in with a Nile croc, and the croc went crazy at it in the water, just like biting at it, knocking it around. So it's a cool video. Go check that out. It's on our on our Facebook. Um. Uh, I've got some other ones that kind of tie into things we're going to talk about in a minute, so I'll bring them up later. Uh, Lance Kirkman posted a picture of a, a ball python. Yay, ball python. I was going to look into that more on like what was special about it, because I don't know ball pythons really well, but it was very pretty. I guess. It reminded me of like toasted maple oatmeal. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> Unless, you, are you talking about – wait, no. There might be two then. Are you talking about the – was it a gray and yellow one? It was like a, he posted. It was like a striped something okay, or another. That's different. That was like a smoky, like maybe it was highway. Ooh, that is definitely a ball python morph that I just threw out there. Good job. Correct. Highway is a ball. I do know that highway is a ball python. <laughs> yeah, but I thought okay, there was a different one that I saw that was like a creamy white color. Oh no, that this was creamy uh, white. No, it was uh, it was a Colombian rainbow boa or a Brazilian rainbow boa. Or, or an indigo snake or a creature. No, it for sure it for sure was a bow. <laughs> I'm being serious. <laughs> it was one of those things without legs. I think it was a snake. I'm not sure. <laughs> Could have been a legless lizard. I really don't know. I, was, I didn't read uh, it. But that ball python was going around uh, the internets. I saw it multiple times. Not Darren, the white one that I pulled out of my head. <laughs> Darren, do you have a, a normal ball python or a ball python morph? I have a morph. Um, it's a pastel hypo. I don't even know what that looks like. Besides, is it just a brighter? It, it's pastel? a light. It's a light colored. A yellowish, yeah, yeah, yellowish, uh, faded looking 
for Python. Yay. <laughs> 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 you can't even like fake enthusiasm. I, can, I can't. I can't. I can get behind. Like, like I said before, I love pods. I think pods are awesome. And then everything else is, it is what it is. I don't so know. Darren, what, go ahead, Darren. I think Walt Python is that perfect animal to introduce people to snakes that aren't comfortable with them. Like they don't move around too much. <laughs> I say, Do you if really you, think so? I think so, yeah. I think, no, I think what Darren said, they're a good snake to introduce people to. Not a good, maybe a good first pet snake. Yeah, not a good first pet snake to introduce people to snakes. Yeah, because it's not going to move. If, if, you're, if you're afraid of things that move, ball pythons are for you. But, some of them, I've had some that have lit me up. She was a beautiful albino, and she just hated me. No, nah, they just thought they were blood pythons. That's all it was. They were confused. Not all blood pythons are mean. The internet says they are. Okay, so I don't. You're care what right you're about that. The internet does. That's fine. More for me. More for me and Darren. <laughs> blood, blood pythons are mean, and ball pythons don't eat. That's what the internet said. I find that with ball pythons. For those of you that get to eat, get your ball pythons to eat all year round, I commend you, because uh, mine would stop eating for like six months of the year, which is fine, and then she's still healthy and happy, and she was fat, but you know. See, that's the problem is like we're so inclined to having a pet eat like all the time as they're supposed to eat. But for snakes, that's that's normal. I mean, like where they're from, food isn't there all year. So exactly. it's just it's a weird concept for us to go. I, I can see where I'd freak out more if it was a small, thinner bodied snake. Um, I think Justin was talking about I forget which, which species he was talking about, um, but it was a thinner bodied snake. And, you know, he's worried about not having weight on it. Uh, when it doesn't eat for a month or two months at a time versus a ball python who is already plump. And you're like, yeah, you can go a couple months. You'll be fine. So I can see where the fear would come if it's a, a, a faster metabolism, smaller body snake. You're like, oh, yeah, you need to get some food in you. Well, when I had the ball pythons, I was newer. So we're talking like uh, like six or seven years ago, like 2013, yes, seven years ago, um, is when I really started getting into – it's like it's like you become an adult and you have your own money and you have your own place and all of a sudden your your collection explodes. Um, so that that's what I went through about seven years ago, and I got a bunch of ball pythons because you know I was going to make it big in ball pythons. Everyone is. Um, yep. <laughs> and and then uh, and then I got them and so I was still new. So all the care sheets say you feed them every seven to ten days, and so when it didn't eat every seven to ten days, you got. You start freaking out and wondering what you did wrong. And then yeah. I realized, no, nothing. Care sheets are a law. They are. Uh, well, it's like that. I shared that in our group chat. I shared, uh, Darren, so there, what I'm talking about is there was a post in a corn snake group where this girl freaked out because the humidity in her corn snake cage was 63%. And, and so my question was, is the cage wet? And she said, no, it's not. And I was like, well, then you're fine. You know what I mean? We're talking about corn snakes. I was talking about they live in Florida, South Alabama, Louisiana, where like eighty percent humidity is a normal for like five months out of the year. And but because all these people and, and she was the only one on the response. Some of them like one guy was like, "Oh, we'll put a heat light on there. That'll dry it out." I'm thinking oh, that's dumb. You know, some people read care sheet and they read forty percent humidity, and when it's not forty percent humidity, it's gonna die. It's, I will defend the light thing though because. The overhead lamp does dry it out. It does dry it out. It's just but, not necessary. Exactly. It is not necessary. 
Like so. you said, unless there was like condensation or aspen getting moldy or whatever it might be, that's not the case. There's just very thick air. Yeah, I think that's what uh, my snake room's at right now. Like very, sixty to seventy. Yeah, very percent. thick air. Yes, I like it thick. <laughs> well, like so many people confuse humidity and and wetness. Wetness. They're two different things. Moist. You don't want it to be moist. Moist. Oh. Yes, I hope we just drove a ton of people crazy saying yeah, that. Well, I was like, I can't listen to them say moist. Moist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. We're so dumb, James. Oh, my God. We're giggling over this. Oh, it's Darren's oh. fault. I love it. So, I'll do that to you a lot, Darren. Don't worry. He doesn't mean not it. Not a problem at all. <laughs> totally don't worry. So also on our, uh, on our post from other people this week, um, one of the like uh, outreach and like birthday, I also do like birthday parties and do all this. So, a group out of Lafayette, Louisiana, an hour south of me. This Saturday on the 25th of July, they're doing a drive through exotic animal encounter. So basically you drive through with your car and your kids. You don't have to get out, um, but they'll have uh, exotic reptiles and mammals and birds, like $10 per car. And you can drive up and see them um, instead of having, you know, with all the COVID and you don't have a whole bunch of people having to get in contact with each other. So that was kind of cool. That's this weekend. If you're anywhere in Louisiana and you want to make a trip to Lafayette, Saturday, July 25th, there's a drive through animal exotic encounter. Uh, they can find more information on that post on our Facebook page. Just thought that was cool. Uh, this is a really neat one. An, an article uh, Jason Ropp shared with us. Drug for heavy metal poisoning could become the first snake bite pill. So it's a pill. Is it like preventative? Like It's a pill it that if you get bit. your system? No, no. You, you could take it when you get bit, and it will help stop or, or slow down the effects of venom. So if you're out in the middle of nowhere, no way of getting treatment right away. You, you can keep these pills on you. Like if you're in, you know, parts of Asia or even out West and you're far away from hospitals, you take the pill when you get bit and it counteracts the venom um, and then slows it down so you can get to a hospital and get antivenom. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, if, if this really works, um, it'd be, a, it'd be huge. It would definitely be huge if it was, done cheaply for places like india or africa where they suffer from these bites all the time if a pill could at least give these people half a chance of not dying I mean, that's huge in these countries where snake bites happen quite a bit you know it's not a huge issue for us in north america we we have hospitals nearby and we also don't tend to get bit as often you know india and stuff they get bit a ton so that was a really cool article if you want i, I don't want to it's, it's a, a longer article but you should definitely go read it it, again, is on our post from this past week. But, yeah, drug for heavy metal poisoning could become the first snake bite pill. That's really cool. Yes. And then Brendan Frisella posted or shared a post from Rare and Uncommon Reptile Discussion Group. And I've seen it pop up a couple of times because it's awesome. Um, I want to find the actual – I wrote down what it was. So I don't want to mess up what it was. It is a lavender albino Saharan Euromastix. And it's, that? It is really cool looking. They are like, it's this cool, like yellow and white Euromastics that I don't know. I like Euros. So. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of those as well. I think they should really be in the pet trade more than like beardeds. I think they're a better pet, pet lizard than beardeds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Do you remember when we went live and my beardy was having like head shakes 
that I yes. commented on. You said you couldn't see it. So we did a little bit of research, and I think it is a calcium deficiency. So now I'm giving him more calcium. Oh, yikes. Just thought I'd let you all know that. Hopefully that Actually, reverses that. My roommate is giving him more calcium. My old roommate. Um, because I'm gone all the time. I'm like, well, if I'm only treating him once a week, that's not any good. Anyway, that's my, my random thingy. Sorry. No. My, my my random thought. <laughs> that's you know, that's one problem with um just lizards in general. Uh is, is calcium issues. You don't have that much with snakes, but calcium is oh okay, this is not tied to that at all, but it just came I I thought about it and I didn't say it at the top of the show, and I needed to. So I'm going to interject it here. This show is brought to you by Lone Star Reptile Racks. I didn't bring it up earlier, and I forgot to, and I feel bad. I'm sorry, Robert, if you're listening. You should probably add it into our outline in the beginning so you remember. Yeah, I'm, I'll start putting it at the top. But uh, Lone Star Reptile Racks, so I'm going to inter- interject here. Uh, this past weekend, uh, there was the Herps uh, Reptile Show in Pueblo, Colorado, which is a place. I didn't know that was a place, but that is a place, apparently. Uh, and... Uh, Robert took 20 racks and he sold 18 of them on Saturday. And then he sold the last two before the gates opened on Sunday. Uh, he did crazy good. That's amazing. Like, congratulations. That's huge. That's the second show he's done. And the second time he sold out. That's nuts. Which is, I mean, that's just awesome. So yes. congratulations, man. Successful business so far. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I asked him, you know, he said the one thing he regrets is he didn't stop and do this or sooner. I mean, because he's doing so well. That's nuts. That's right. so cool, though, because so many people want to be entrepreneurs and work for themselves and all this stuff. But like you talked about in the last episode, you know, it takes so much time. He's always working, but he enjoys it. So it's not like work so much. So. Well, but the problem is so many people want to be entrepreneurs. Like, look, I would love to be doing what he does, but I know I'm not physically going to do that. I physically am not going to, I would, I, it would, I just wouldn't, I, I'd get lazy and not do it. And so that's the problem for most people. Like I want to do what everybody does and, and have my own business. I'm like, that sounds great. Until you realize how much work goes into having your own business and knowing that if you don't do the work, you, you don't get paid. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. So I wanted to, he did awesome. Uh, his, his next show is in, I think three weeks in Corpus Christi. If anybody is going to be at the Corpus Christi Herp show, uh, you might want to make sure you get there early Saturday if you plan on buying a rack from him or contact him beforehand. Because if you wait till like midday or end of the day Saturday, there may not be anything left for it to sell. So if you want a new rack, go check him out at the Corpus Christi Herp Show in three weeks, I believe. All right. So back to back to my rundown of stuff on here. Uh, we were talking about the Aromastics. That was really cool. And that was it for all the stuff on our Facebook group. I mean, I had some YouTube stuff I want to talk about, but that was it for on there. Um, let's get to youtube da, so, da, da. one youtube thing actually ties into one of the things from our our facebook page i didn't bring up because we're going to bring it up here but um it has to do with primitive predators they did a video this week on the band reptiles in florida there have been several videos on the band reptiles in florida and i listened to the herpetoculture podcast this week they had wasn't brain going blank i know who they had because i'm friends with them and Oh, this is this is my dumb moment where my brain doesn't work. I wrote down everything, and then I didn't write down the stuff that I should have written down. My goodness, so I need to hop on my podcast app and. See. No, it's right here. <laughs> they had Paul McIntyre, uh, who we met at Carpet Fest this past year. Paul McIntyre was there. He uh, interns there at Cody and Pia's place and helps with all the snakes. But they had him on to discuss it, and uh, he was talking about a lot of people have been putting out videos. I say a lot. 
there's a handful of people in Florida who have venomous snakes and YouTube channels. And I'm not mentioning any names, but they suck. And they basically were putting out misinformation on this whole band thing. So the band thing that's happening, Florida banned uh, the breeding and new ownership. If you already own these animals, you can get grandfathered in, but new ownership of green iguanas and all species of tegus. And what primitive predators touches on correctly and what Paul touched on on THP this week is it did not change anything for venomous snakes. Those laws are the same. It didn't do those. It affected other stuff. It did not affect venomous. And that was one thing that um, misinformation was getting put out there by some of the other YouTubers that they were coming after the venomous snakes, which is not true, which is not what the law was. We've talked about it a little bit on here before. Um, but one big thing that has happened this week, and my, my friend Tracy posted it on our Facebook page, is that the Florida reptile breeders have sued or are planning on suing the state of Florida for this whole issue, or at least the wildlife and fisheries or whatever it is, along with U.S. ARC, um, for this, basically this law just popping up overnight. Yep. It, it came, I mean, it came out of nowhere, and it came out of nowhere quick, and it turned, you know, just normal people into criminals overnight and just, it's not right. You know, the, they had a system in Florida that was working um, and they paid no attention to that and just made a law without really looking at the concerns or what it could do. So hopefully us arc can help them and they can win just like they did against the, the, you know, the United States government a couple of years ago when they're dealing with getting those animals, uh, the large constrictors, being able to ship them, move them across state lines. And with that, they need your donations. So if you have money to spare, please spare it to US ARC for the Florida chapter. And James, you did something that has to do with US ARC. I did. Because I sold those things online today, I I had the extra money. I went ahead and I uh, officially got my membership to US ARC. So I have a US ARC shirt coming in the mail at some point. Super excited about that. But, Speaking of that, I still need to send yours out, Lance. Just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> and if anybody's out there thinking that there's, I looked, there's several different uh, levels of membership, but I, mine was easy. It's like forty dollars a year, which is not. It's not going to be what all I give. It's what I gave right now. Uh, next reptile show, I plan on selling more snakes. There will be a chunk of that that goes to US Arc. The forty dollars got my membership. I'm, I'm not stopping at forty because that's. I, I know I can afford more, but they do a forty dollar a year membership, and you get a free T-shirt. Um, or you can do actually do a $5 a month membership. So it just automatically pulls $5 a month out of your account, which you would never notice in the first place. And that $5 a month really goes to help. And like you said, there is actually, there's US ARC, which is who I joined. There's also US ARC, there's a Florida chapter. So if you're in Florida listening, you have your own US ARC chapter there because I mean, that, that state deals so much with having to fight laws. Um, you can give money directly to the US ARC Florida chapter uh, to help you and anybody else in that area. So, yes, the band things. Like I said, the Primitive Predators video, they talk about it. They also got to use that new uh, – do you ever see the video where they showed their new Venomous building? Yes. And they have that caged-in area? Yep. So they were out there in that. That was kind of – I just I really like that. Like that's – to me, it's something very simple, um, but they know they're going to be doing a lot of YouTube videos, and they know they have Venomous Snakes – and they are planning on doing, uh, I think, tours there. They plan on having some tours 
around their facility. So now they're at somewhere where they can safely bring out venomous reptiles and not risk them getting away or getting towards anybody, biting anybody. Uh, that's just a really cool add on. I thought. Yeah. I really respect that. Like the extra thought that went into it, you know? Yes. And they use hooks like in their videos, you see hooks and tongs, which, Hey, by the way, people still use hooks and tongs with venomous snakes. Even if other people on YouTube don't, Maybe you shouldn't watch the other people on YouTube. You talk about them so much that they're going to go there. Don't. Don't do it. Go to Primitive Predators. <laughs> they're much better. So I, agree with, I agree with Paul that uh, Cody needs to have a YouTube channel, but the problem is I don't think you can upload four-hour YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah. He would, he would, it would have to be like segments. But it would be really cool to see Cody do – educational videos with venomous snakes done right. Yep. Anyways, moving on. Uh, Brian Cusco video this week. It was a Brian Cusco video. And I know the title is going to throw you off. Cause the title is be like, why is James bringing this one up? Cause of what we said earlier, but the title is when you should breed ball pythons. And the answer is never. Honestly, I'm just ki- just kidding. I'm just That's kidding. your answer, right? Let's just clarify kidding. this. I'm just kidding. That is not what he said. It's not. But no, the title was. Darren, can you like punch him through the computer? <laughs> like punch him in the face. <laughs> so this is when should you breed ball pythons? But the reason I really clicked on it was because the thumbnail said something about being domesticated, and I was like, "That's interesting." Let me watch what he has to say. And he had someone ask him about why there is a ball python breeding season. When in reality, we've talked about before, you can pretty much breed ball pythons in captivity year round. And people do. There are some people that breed them year round. Why are, why are some people still strictly sticking to a season when you can do them year round? And then the question he asked, you know, why are they doing this with domesticated animals? And so that drove Brian to go more on, are they domesticated? And this is the interesting part. He looked up the definition of domesticated and I'll give it to you what he found tame and kept as a pet or on a farm. Okay, tame and kept as a pet or on a farm. So I guess the trick part is they're, they're kept as pets. So I guess the trick part is to say, are they tame? Right? And so he looked up the word tame and it says, not dangerous or frightened of people, semicolon, domesticated. They use the word domesticated in the definition <laughs> for tame. But based on those two definitions, I'd say most of our snakes are domesticated. At and least. I'm thinking there's some dogs that aren't. Yeah. But that doesn't make sense to me. If we're if we're gonna talk like like that domesticated dogs and cats, like then yeah, so are snakes. I mean, you, you think about go to ball pythons. I mean, we we can pretty much breed them almost whenever we want. They are not dangerous to us. They've really come to handle well with people. They hand they aren't afraid of people. Um, we keep them as pets, so that fits all the criteria of these definitions. What's your thought, Darren? Do you think, based on this, or based on what, how you feel, do you think of snakes or reptiles as domesticated? Not all, but, you know, ball, with ball pythons, since you've got one. Especially ball pythons, I would say, but a majority of the stuff we keep in captivity, I would consider domesticated. I mean, there's even some species of venomous that could essentially consider that domesticated. I mean, shy of someone bringing something in from the wild... And obviously that's not domesticated, but I mean, when, when you have generations over generations in captivity, it's, it seems like it fits the definition spot on. So I thought that was an interesting video because 
I've heard people talk about them. You know, we, we always refer to them as wild animals, even even pets. When people talk about, you know, does it bite? Well, it's a wild animal. And then I got to think, it's really not. I mean, it's really not. My my Sambo's are not wild animals. You know, so what is your thought, April? I gave you my thought. But what, I know, but <laughs> you, do you feel like, would you say that bloods are domesticated? Yeah, I would. But the internet said they're mean. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, God, look at look at the way retakes are nowadays compared to 20 years ago. You know, 20 years ago, they were mean. Everybody's like, they're mean, they'll kill you, they're evil. But Jesus, I mean, how many videos of them being puppy dogs on Facebook? Uh, I actually really don't like that term, puppy dog. I know. Okay, super gentle. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know. I Like, my gut says yes, but at the same... Honestly, I guess I don't really... Uh, I don't, what is it, a hide, what's the term where you don't have any skin in the game? I think that's the term. Ha, <laughs> I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any skin in the game, really. I don't, so, I, I hate to say that I don't really care that much, but I kind of don't really care that much. Gotcha. <laughs> so, what, Ra- what April's saying is that everybody out there, she doesn't care about the community or the hobby or any of you. Mm, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> that's, that's the alcohol talking. No, I only have one. It's fine. I think I'm not being labeled as domesticated as part of the stigma of owning them. People want to feel like they own wild animals. Yeah. Well, we always throw around that word exotic. You know, they're exactly. exotic. Yeah. You know, but are I, I don't, you know what? I can look up what the word exotic means. I just don't see why saying something's domesticated or not, like, really matters. Like, really. And if you're using it as technicalities for laws and stuff, like, I think that's kind of silly. All right. I think Google's definitions suck. (laughs) I looked up exotic. Originating in or characteristic of a distant foreign country, which, I mean, we have cows that come from other countries, so that doesn't make them exotic. And then the noun definition is an exotic plant or animal. You can't use the word in the definition. That makes no sense. An exotic plant or animal. But with that Generalization. I mean, I think any animal at that point is exotic, but I don't know. I think we always throw on that exotic, and I, I I agree with you, Darren. I think it makes some people feel better, but then also I think it gets used against us when these groups want to argue we shouldn't be allowed to keep wild animals in cages when we're not keeping wild animals in cages. We're keeping some domestic- people are, but I'm not. You're not. The general person keeping a snake is not. It's not a wild animal. I am. What do you have? My, my venomous ones. My little beak snakes. They're wild should, caught. So they're wild animals. Are they not? It's true. So you should have to get rid of those. Actually, I'm thinking about selling them. Are you really? I am. Why? Um, partially because I don't want it to be the bee sting effect where you get bit a second time and your life is ruined. <laughs> that would, that would <laughs> suck. That was... Right? That your the reaction's like way worse so i'm nervous about that um and i just really don't think that they're getting the justice that they deserve in my collection with the capabilities that i have right now so would you want to sell it to someone who's already in the project yes hey travis 
Okay. Uh, well, let's go with this one. This one kind of goes along with when I talked about Puppy Dog Tame. Uh, this was a new channel that I hadn't seen before, but it was probably because it's mostly ball pythons. John Feely posted one that said, how old is old enough? Basically, how old do you think a child needs to be before you let them handle a snake? I know, April, you don't have any kids. Darren, I don't I know. Do you do not. Darren, do you have any kids? No, I do not, do not have any kids. Okay. So I'm the only one with a kid here. Uh, and that's a hard answer. That's a hard question to answer. Like the general public, how old should their kid be? I don't know. 40. Because <laughs> the general public doesn't know anything about snakes. But how old should my kid have been when I first let her handle snakes? I don't know. Two or three. And, you know, I'm not putting, I'm not the guy on YouTube putting my two-year-old in the middle of the coils of a giant retake. I'm not doing that. Like, my kid held a baby sand boa or a baby corn snake or, you know. So, I think that's. It's a, like pet its tail and its head is, like, way far away. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's not like, hey, go in there and grab that snake for me and then come back. And one yeah. finger touch or whatever. So. How, how do y'all feel? I know there's been a lot of videos lately and it happens a lot. And, and I think sometimes uh, they definitely use negatively against us in the hobby, but how do y'all feel about kids and snakes? Um, uh, again, it, I agree. With, uh, go ahead, Darren. Uh, I'll uh, let you go. <laughs> again, I agree with James. If um, you're a breeder or you have snakes and you bring your children up properly around snakes, then they'll understand what to do and what not to do when handling Whereas you can't go to the pet store and buy a blood python and give it to a three-year-old. Yep. That is true. Thanks for that insight, April. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's my answer. Yep. What he said. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hard for me to, to pick an age because I haven't raised a child. And so I don't really, I'm not super close to like the developmental stages that they have and at what age, you know, does a little bit more, you know, responsibility kind of pop up. You know what I mean? Well, and the problem is, like I said, it's different for every kid because I remember taking, so my daughter, uh, you've met my daughter and I'm not, it's not too my own horn. She's, she's, she's fairly intelligent and a little bit more mature than most kids her age. Um, she's eight. She is nine. Okay. Um, and when we had her, she was the only kid I, I knew. She's the only kid I'm hanging out with. And so the way she acts and talks and does everything, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's how a kid does. And I remember going to a birthday party for the first time. I think it was like, I think there were four, four-year-olds maybe. It was a bowling birthday party. And I took my daughter there and I started listening to the other kids. I was like, holy shit. She's not on the same level as these kids. Because like mm. my kid's talking in complete sentences. I can understand her. We're having conversations. She's trying to figure out right now how to properly bowl at this bowling alley. The other kids, I can barely understand what they're saying, and they're running around without shoes on. So I'm like, it's, it's, it's a different level. So when you hear people go, well, I'd never let my kids be around snakes. Well, that's because you're not around. Like, it's, you can't say that. You know, I probably wouldn't let your kid around snakes right now either. But your kid's not my kid. And you're not me. So it's... You know, that, that video, I think it's it's hard to say this age is when kids are okay to handle a snake. Especially, it, it changes between kid and it changes between species of snake. Because, to be honest, 
I probably wouldn't let a three-year-old or two-year-old hold a blood python. And I know, I know you're there and other blood pythons are like, well, they're fine. That's fine. I just, I'd probably go with something calmer, historically calmer. Yeah. I asked you guys in the group chat, um, like what would be a good snake? The guy I'm dating has a three-year-old and a 10-year-old and the 10-year-old wants a snake, but it's like, no, you have to have something and they want a python, quote unquote, just python. I'm like, dude. You're going to drive me crazy because you know how many different species of python there are, ranging from 20 feet to like one foot. Like, I was I was about ready to strangle someone. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, you know, you have to find something that would be good for both, you know. One that, you know, can keep the maturity, the curiosity of 10-year-old, and then one that's still also safe if the three-year-old reaches out unexpectedly or whatever it might be making sure that, you know, whatever species you get is good for both of them and, and being able also to teach the kids. So if you don't have that ability or someone to teach the kids, you know, proper handling and how to be a responsible little, I don't know, pet owner or not even pet owner, just being around them in general. If you don't have that, then it's it's going to make that age go up. You know, if you don't have that, that person to, to help out, it's going to go up and up and up. Like you said, 40. Yeah. I mean, yep. look, there's, there's 40 year olds out there where I'm like, yeah, you're not handling any of my snakes. Yeah. I've, I've had snakes at a show. So this is what I'm, I'm a lot, I'm a lot more careful now when I allow people to hold a snake at a show. Um, the girl's like, I, I want to hold this. Thing. I want to see. And I was like, okay. I put it in her hands. And as it was about to hit her hands, she pulls her hands apart. And the snake hits the ground. Oh, that's great. I'm like, and it took everything I had. My, my mom was actually there with me. She had, she had come to that show just to like hang out with me. So I went there by myself. And when she, when the chick left, she's like, I'm surprised. I was like, what? She's you didn't yell or anything. I was like, Oh no, I did in my head. I, I said a <laughs> lot of mean things about that person in my head. And I was very calm outside because that's how you gotta be when you're in public. And like, you, especially if you're at a show and you're presenting yourself as a business, but Oh, she got called a lot of names in my head. <laughs> well, but, if you I mean, this, a tarantula, you're basically going to kill the tarantula. Yeah. I mean, this wasn't a kid. This was like a 20-year-old. So it wasn't like an eight-year-old. Like, I don't know. So, again, I don't think there's a clear-cut answer as to when someone's ready to hold the first snake. But, like, my daughter's nine, and she'll come in. She'll go, can I grab? And she's a little pet corn snake in one of the tubs. I'm like, sure. She'll come in. She'll take it out. It took a lot to get her comfortable with reaching in and pulling a snake out. That was really the big thing was teaching her to reach in and take the snake out herself and not freak out and end up hurting the snake in the process of her freaking out. Um, but now she'll come in and she'll grab it out and she'll hold it and it's fine, but she's not coming in and grabbing. Like I've got some adult samboas that are not fans of being picked up right away. She doesn't mess with those. She messes with, she knows which ones she can pick up and which ones she can't. But that's also a parenting thing. I think more than anything else. Yeah, I would agree with that. But that video, I saw that video and it also got shared on our Facebook this week. I just thought it was interesting because they said two. And granted, they, it's all ball pythons and they're all pretty calm and they're not really moving much. And But when they say two, that's two and a kid that for the first two years of their life was brought up in a house with ball pythons. That's mm-hmm. that's not two for a two-year-old that's never been around animals in their entire life. So that was an interesting one. And then uh, the last video I had was Clint's Reptiles. Uh, as much as I don't like botany, he did a really cool one. It was 
five of the best plants for reptile and amphibian enclosures. So those of you out there that are interested in doing bioactive, uh, he gives you a list of five of the best bioactive, like basically plants that you can't mess up. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like some people, some of y'all out there can definitely mess up plants, but these are pretty easy ones, like pothos. You can grow pothos. I was going to say, if you mess up pothos, yeah. something is wrong with you. <laughs> I've seen like doctor's offices where that shit's just growing all over the wall because they don't ever cut it back. That stuff grows everywhere. Um, if you don't know what pothos is, it's also known as, uh, oh, she's got another name. Devil's Ivy, I think. Devil's Ivy is what I saw it. But yeah. pothos is one that's super easy. He mentions that on there. So if you've got, you know, if you're, if you're like, hey, I want to do a bioactive enclosure, I really want it to be green. Grow pothos. That stuff is, it grows like a vine. You can wrap it around and it grows pretty quick. You're going to have to start trimming it back at some point. You can do uh, cuttings too. Like yeah. You cut you, it and stick it in the dirt and it'll grow. He talks about that. You just take a little cutting and yeah, it'll grow out. It grow from almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one he mentions that I actually just bought like seven big pots of that I'm going to put in my uh, plant outside is Wandering Jew, also known as Spider Wart, which is a weird one because it doesn't, doesn't seem to fit it at all. I love that plant. Legitimately, it's my favorite plant. Wandering Jew, if you've ever seen it, it's it's a kind of a, a vine that grows along the ground, and it's purple. Yes, so that's like, why it's my favorite. These longer, pointy, purple leaves um, that are very waxy, um, but it grows... With little pink flowers. Yes, and it grows very quickly. covers a lot of area. The other great thing is you can feed it to some of your reptiles. Like tortoises can eat wandering Jew. Pothos, you can feed that to other things. If you own a monkey tail skink, you have to have pothos because that's what they eat. Yep. Um, and so those are two plants that grow quickly and you can feed to stuff. So that's another positive to those. And there are some other ones in there, but those are the two that I always think of when I think of, I need to plant something that I know can grow and that I can't really kill. Um, but it was a cool video just because I know I, I don't really do a lot of bioactive, which is funny because I, my side business is actually selling some bioactive, little bioactive like enclosures. Uh, but myself, I don't tend to do it because with my snakes, it just doesn't, it would be more of a hassle in my setups than I think a help. Yeah. If I just had like one animal, I, well, I can't really do it with blood pythons cause they would just like squish everything. Yeah. And then when they pee, it'd kill everything. So probably not the best for them, but it'd be cool with like a, a carpet python or something like that. Yeah. If you had something that's going to move around, maybe sit on a branch, like definitely if you like chondros, you want know, to set up a, something for green trees, like that'd be really cool. Or even I think like your beak snakes, you know, like a mm-hmm. 40, if you did them like in a 40 gallon, be a really awesome planted 40 gallon with uh, pothos and wandering Jew and isopods. And that'd be a really cool tank. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, at some point I may do something like that. Like right now, the only thing I have in a tank in my snake room is my uromastics, and I'm not doing bioactive with them because it's 120 degrees in that cage. Right. How would you do it? You get like a, a spikeless cactus. And, and that's it. That's it. And then I'm still the cleanup crew. <laughs> yeah. Still, so. I wanted to do that for, oh gosh, I can't. I actually, it was the beak snakes, um, but I, because of the you know higher temperature and not so much like um, a lot of humidity, uh, I didn't think I could get anything to uh, live when it came to isopods, which I still think is correct. I think I would kill everything. So there are some species that do better in, in dry environments. Um, one thing I felt like I said before, I think it was pretty good is uh, millworms. Millworms and the millworm beetles are really good, like dry environment mm-hmm. uh, cleanup crews. I mean, I've had them just live in Aspen before and eat poop, and it's great. Yeah, Terrell did that before. 
I believe. I mean, a lot of people do it by accident, which is how I originally did it. It was purely by accident. <laughs> I think that's how he started too. <laughs> and then he just left it and his tegu would dig for him and, and try to find him and it was enrichment. So he just left it. So, but that was all my videos for the week. I'm, I kind of ran through them quickly. Are you out of videos? I am out of videos. What? Oh, no. Barely been an hour. What's wrong with us today? I know. All right, so Darren, we're going to make you talk a little bit. What, what are your plans for your collection? Because it's, it's a very small collection right now. Are your plans to keep it small? Or yeah, add? Um, huh, loaded question there. Um, keep it somewhat small. Um, I might add a, another snake or two. Possibly another tarantula or two. I've been doing some investigating into... Um, dark frogs. However, I think my reptile room is too hot for that. Um, today it was 85 degrees in here, so that's on the upper echelon and where you should keep dark frogs, so I'm still on the fence about that. Um, right now, like I said, I currently have a T-negative matrix blood python. I would like to get a just straight T-negative with no other morphs in it. I, I like the deep dark red, so I think that's my next purchase. I know somebody who plans on producing those. <laughs> I may have one for sale if it's not a Sounds female. Like a <laughs> and mine is a male, so I, I went another male just because if I have two males, then obviously I can't breed. So you have no uh, want to breed, right? You just want pets. Nah, not at all. Yeah, not at all. Just pets. Um. See, that's awesome to hear because you don't, you don't tend to hear that often. It's, it, it happens a lot with snakes. Like, I got snakes. Now I got to breed snakes because I have snakes. Well, for me, in, in the normal world, when things are normal, I'm working 60 hours a week, sometimes up to 85 hours a week. So I don't, have, I don't say I don't have time, but when I get home, I come check on my snakes. The blood python groups maybe twice a year and the um ball python poops once a month so you know it's not a lot to clean up check on the spider and i'm good i'm in here 10 15 minutes and then i spend the rest of the day well evening with my wife you know so i need something that i can come here spend a half hour in here and go downstairs eat dinner take a nap and wake up and go to work again so what kind of work do you do? I'm a chef. A chef? Yeah. Well, that, that's cool. You I were love, expecting that, huh? No, that's a cool, <laughs> no, that's a cool one. I, I love the idea of cooking, but the problem is I sweat like crazy. And so like five minutes into it, I'm like, yeah, this isn't comfortable anymore. You'd like sweating my food. That's gross. And it's just salt. No, look, if you ever watch any, any cooking show, you're like, that's when you start to realize, oh, shit, they're all sweating in our food. Ew. Darren, do you sit? Do you think that's true? Um, I think a lot of people, with the exception on TV, tend to wear headbands and hats in the industry. It's kind of the norm to help prevent that. That's um, good. I think to help try so, and prevent that. He doesn't want to tell you. He doesn't want to tell you because he, he's a chef. He doesn't want you to be like, "Oh God, I'm not going to eat that." Everyone's um, what's in the food. But, but uh, in my kitchen on days like this, it's 106 on the line, no problem. Jesus. Yeah. 
That, that sounds terrible. Yeah, that's, that's not gonna lie. That's where I lose all the fun. Like the idea is really fun, and I like watching cooking shows. I'm like, that does look fun. But then when I see them sweating their ass off, I'm like, that that doesn't look fun anymore. So, what kind of food do you cook? I'm done. This is going to turning into a cooking channel. But what do you cook? Um, well, the restaurant I work in is a seafood restaurant, but we have chicken steaks, fish, all that stuff on the menu. Um, but at home, I love grilling. I probably grill about two to three times a week, and uh, chili. So, are you charcoal or gas? I'm a gas, and the reason I'm gas because it's just me and my wife. Yeah. So for me to heat up coals for a half hour and throw two steaks on the grill, that's going to take eight minutes to cook. Doesn't make sense. That is true. So, so I use gas. I grew up with gas, so. And plus, I, I don't get home. Yeah, I don't get home most nights till ten o'clock at night. For me to wait a half hour for the coals to get hot just isn't feasible. See, I grew up with charcoal. Well, I grew up, my dad, we had a huge smoker. And so it was always charcoal or wood lump charcoal and smoking, which is also another thing. Like, I, I can't stand people using the improper use of the uh, word or I guess letters, barbecue. I word barbecue. Uh, sometimes people go, oh, yeah, we're barbecuing. And really, they're just cooking hot dogs and hamburgers. I'm like, that's not barbecue. <laughs> like, unless you've got a, a butt that's sitting on there for hours or ribs or something, you're not barbecuing. You're grilling. There's a difference. That one always drives me nuts. You make me want barbecue now. You live in Memphis. You should be able to find some. I'm in Arkansas. Oh, that's right. That sucks. Well, when you get home, you should be able to find some. There's really good barbecue in Memphis. There's The best one's in Mississippi. How funny is that? Is it really? <laughs> it's called, yeah, it's called Memphis Barbecue, but it's in Mississippi. It's like Just the, a style. It's like the um, Memphis Repticon, which is also in Mississippi. Yeah. Yep. That's in South Haven. Yep. It's actually right next to where the Repticon is. Actually, <laughs> it's like right there. It's just it's Memphis South. Yeah. Seriously. So silly. So, Darren, what other kind of? I know you listen to our podcast. You listen to Joe. Who do you listen to? I'm assuming you listen to all the other normal ones as well, right? You listen to THP. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, Eric and Owen, I listen to. Um, then I got a couple of spider podcasts that I listen to. Um, I listen to Riley. What's, I don't listen to any spider podcast. So which spider podcast do you listen to? Um, called uh, Tom's Big Spider. So what kind of tarantula do you have? I have a, all right, this is a loaded question. Why is it loaded? That makes no sense. Because it's, the common name is um, Brazilian black, but there's two forms of one is from Brazil and the other one is from uh, Uruguay, I believe. It's like your damn Memphis so barbecue. It's not in Memphis. Yeah. They're very similar and they're almost impossible to tell apart. So initially, Those are really from pretty, though. From my understanding, the ones that are in the hobby are from Uruguay. But they're telling people they're from Brazil, and it's just one of those things that got mixed up over the years. So, so now I'm having to look it up because I don't know. Oh, that's pretty cool. It's just a deep yeah. black one. Yeah, that's a big my spider. friend like years ago wanted one, and we went. I took her to um, the Super Show, and she got it. She just posted about it. Actually, it's like 13 years old now. Yeah, mine's is 
Mine's is uh, about the size of a dime, so mine's a fairly long. <laughs> it's a little baby sling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, when they the, so yours is gonna molt soon though, right? It's in the process right now. Um, from my understanding, that can take anywhere from a couple weeks to a month or so. Yeah, so it's gonna like explode in size. Yeah, they usually double in size. However, this is one of the slower growing ones. They usually don't reach maturity till about four or five years. Oh, that's crazy! I wanted pictures. to get another one. They're they're a big tarantula in the ground. Just look at these pictures. I mean, that's a that's quite yeah, a tarantula. Dude, I didn't realize they were that big. They're about eight inches. Huh. Very cool. I had I had one tarantula once. I'm, they're cool. I just I never held it. I can't I can't bring myself to hold a tarantula. Like, you're just too close to the part. I, I can get away from the bitey end on a snake. You can't get away from the bitey end on a tarantula. No, you're really not supposed have, to handle them too much anyway because they're so delicate. Because, yeah, of course they're delicate. So, um. My only concern now is rehousing. When they reach a bigger size, you gotta move them toward larger enclosure. And that's when you got when you have like an OBT. That's when rehousing is scary. <laughs> I had one, and it like got loose when I was rehousing it, and it shot under my bed, and I couldn't find it. And then it went under one of my snake racks and up to the very like corner of one of the rooms, or corner of the room, corner of one of the walls, two of the walls, I guess that would be a corner. And I had to use like the cup. Yeah. I had to get like a cup and try to get it in. But I mean, they're fast. They are so fast and they are aggressive little shits. And I was sweating bullets. I was so (laughs) nervous. I had adrenaline pumping like, Oh my, and then my roommate was like anti spider. And so I was like, Oh God, I cannot tell her that this happened, (laughs) but I caught it. But it was it was very scary for me. <laughs> I like the way the cobalt blue look. I got, that's just cool, a blue tarantula. I like the blue fang ones too. That was I just, I really want um an avic actually uh, a versicolor which is not an avic anymore. Um, but anyway, they they reclassified that one. Yeah, I was I've been out of tarantulas for just I don't know maybe five years, and everything's different now <laughs> like i don't know what i'm talking about anymore so i just don't say anything and i creep on, on okay so, uh, oh, so, okay groups. that's what i thought it was that's the pink toes right yeah so my my wife at one point had a pink toe it was a classroom pet um and i did like that one just because they, they like they build a little web nest up in the top corner of their tank and yeah they and they, climb. they move yeah they, i like the way they climb and those ones i would get out and hold and they just they're not super fast they're not sporadic and they do this like um, I, f- I feel like it's like a prancing thing that they do with their legs. Uh, I think it's the cutest, most adorable thing ever. And the slings are this beautiful, pretty blue color. Uh, they're just my favorite. And I really wanted to get another one, but uh, the guy I'm dating is like not into spiders at all. So I'm holding off on this until uh, things work out or don't work out. <laughs> well, if, if they don't work out, what you do is you just you go ahead and you buy a tarantula. <laughs> Exactly. Like, oh, sorry, it's the tarantula. He's like, is it the tarantula or me? And you're like, oh, I'm taking the tarantula. I'll be like, you. I mean, he talks about building me a snake building. So, I mean, I if I'm gonna get a snake building out of this, I can handle not <laughs> buying a tarantula. I'm starting to feel like you just want a sugar daddy, and uh... <laughs> no, 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 it's not. It's very even. It's very even, but. <laughs> 
But I will take someone who is willing to do work like that. That is for sure. <laughs> Anybody out there willing to buy her a snake building, you can get a lot out of April. Just saying. <laughs> it's like, Dee, if you're listening to this, I apologize ahead of time. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying she's easy. I'm just saying you now know what oh you got to do. Oh, funny the, stuff. The bigger the snake building. <laughs> oh, oh man. Anyways, do you have anything else? Either one of y'all want to add anything you saw this week? I, I threw in my crazy humidity on corn snake thing once. That one. Oh, I do want to mention, uh, if you're out there messaging people on Morph Market, please do research before you message someone on Morph Market. Uh, just because I, you know, I posted them recently, and so I've gotten like a million questions from one person over and over again that just wants to know the basic stuff that you can get in a care sheet. Even though I badmouthed care sheets earlier, it's still worth reading one to get an idea of how big the animal gets, temperatures. Well, even if someone approaches you and say, I read that this animal gets this big. I'm Is fine this with that. true? You know what I mean? Like, or they at least bring you the information. I've had kind of recently someone say, what do you know about, like, what can you tell me about this snake? How, how do you house it? I saw it in a blood python group, actually. And I'm like, no one that has been in it long enough is really going to take a stab at that because you have put no effort in whatsoever. Like most of the time we just send you to this one website that has a bunch of stuff on it. Kara's website. Is that, yeah. We've tried it before is if you're going to ask a breeder, most breeders are, are more than willing to help you as long as you're not wasting their time. And I know some people go, well, if I'm wanting to talk to them about a snake they have, then I'm not wasting their time. I mean, they're still a person. They still have a life. And if you're just asking them stuff you could have found on a simple Google search, you're wasting their time. I'm legitimately okay with people wasting my time in a sense. Like, come with some sort of basis to your question. Yeah, to an extent. Yeah, you know, and then we can have a conversation about it or whatever. But just an open-ended – it's it's like if someone messaged you, what you got? It's like, <laughs> go away. <laughs> <laughs> but if you say, what kind of Sumatran short tails do you have or are planning to have, then I will have an open conversation with you. You know what I mean? There's a difference there. And, and that, that goes to the, the husbandry as well. Yeah. that's Well, it's, it's just some of the husbandry, husbandry stuff is simple. I mean, don't, I don't know. I, I'm, 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 it's, it, I, I ride both sides of that fence where I'm like, yeah, I'll help you. And dude, shut the fuck up. I've already helped you enough. Like I'm, I'm, I'm there in the middle. And as soon as you post, as soon as you post stuff, even like when you post baby pictures on a Facebook group, you'll get like three messages about, are they for sale? Like they could be covered in goo still and you're going to get how much for them? Like, well, some people probably do sell them. So like that early, well, people need to cool their tits and calm down and they'll be for sale when they're for sale. Although I did have to be very tricky about how it worked when I posted pictures on Facebook this past week. I was like, because you can't have, say they're for sale. Yeah, like I have these. Look at all these baby snakes I have. They have their bags packed. Winky face. You have to be cutesy, stupid, or else Facebook will be like, no. Yeah, it's true. How long has that been going on now? I can't even remember when that started. Can't you say? Well, they really cracked down last year and a half, two years. Probably a year and a half. Look at mine, reptile place. They still have an option on Facebook. How is that possible? What is it? I have absolutely no idea. It's uh, Miami Reptile Company or something like that. They still have an auction, daily auction on Facebook. 
Do they really? Yeah. I didn't think anybody was doing those reptile auction things anymore. At least not on Facebook. Gosh, remember how popular those were? They were, and they were, and sometimes they were just for really shitty animals. It was like you could tell somebody, like, this is what I had left over. I gotta get rid of it. We'll put it on auction. It'll make it seem important. But every now and then there was some good stuff in there. But man, some of those auctions really had some shitty animals. Yeah, I agree. I, I bought some of those animals though, thinking it was a good deal because <laughs> they were so like they were the, all the auctions were so rampant when I you know exploded my collection. I was like, oh, they they have this, they have this, they have this. I was, I was just you know I was that person. <laughs> and then you realized, oh. Now I'm super crazy selective on what comes into my collection because I kind of tap out at a certain number and I got to be careful on what I have in the collection. Like everything has a purpose, breeding purpose, or, you know, is a a long time pet or something like that. But if you don't fit, you know, my, what I'm going for, you're probably going to find your way out. You're not nearly as selective as Darren. He has two snakes. (laughs) I know. I have 43 snakes right now. That's not very much, though. Okay, if you count, all, well, uh, plus, plus 12 babies. 43 is still, that's 43 keepers, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. That's still, I guess it depends on who you're talking to. That's still a pretty good amount, considering you're going to be having snakes that eat big-ass rats. I know, but they don't eat all the time. It's not like mm-hmm. I'm feeding them big-ass rats. Well, and I only feed them up to large rats. Like every other week or every three weeks or sometimes every month. That's really like my feeding schedule. Yeah, I guess it's not that bad. I was busy last week, so I'm like, ah, you're not getting fed. They dealt with it. That's the best thing about it. What is your ratio for blood? What's that? What is your ratio for blood that you have? What do you mean? Like how many that I have? Uh, Male to female. You know, I have absolutely no idea, honestly. Close to 50-50? Pretty close to 50-50, yeah. Well, that's not a good ratio. <laughs> it works for me. So will you uh, – I guess if I, I know the answer to this because I've seen you do it. Will you get rid of adults as you raise up holdbacks? Yeah. I'm going to say I, I, I said that. I thought that question, and then I was like, wait, I saw you sell an adult. Yep. So, actually, but- I saw – I sold an adult Sumatran um, – two of them actually it just wasn't as dark as i wanted it to be and it had a little bit more brown than i was expecting when i uh, originally purchased it and one of them i sold to um, a guy in the memphis area for his son and so every once in a while i get update pictures of his son who's probably like 11 ish um chilling with the full-grown sumatran like on the couch with him watching tv and it's just makes me so happy (laughs) and like that that snake was iffy for me but i'm like i know in that scenario and in, in that environment it's going to be a great great match and it was so i pride myself on matching like perfect snake with the perfect owner but that's my, my... you saw a sumatran adult sumatran when i was with you in new orleans right uh-huh yep that went to justin and he's loving that snake so that's awesome as well and then i sold uh uh i don't want to it wasn't an adult um Maybe a two-year-old, I think. Maybe, eh, might have been a, I think it was only two. I can't really remember, but um, it didn't have T-negative in it. And I had a baby that had the same genetic combination plus T-negative. It was a het T-negative, so I'm like, eh. It was 
I found, I got it at Tinley and it was mislabeled. And even when I questioned it, they still backed their labeling and it was sold for cheaper because they labeled it wrong. So I went and picked it up. Uh, and then I ended up selling it to uh, one of my friends actually. So, so you're a flipper. One, got it. That's the one um, I sold at, I had it at um, the show with you. Do oh yeah. 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 The one that was really speckly. Yeah. That one. It was, a Beatrix, it was a Beatrix for anyone who wants to know what speckly thing I had. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the speckly, speckly one. The speckly thing. It was a beautiful Beatrix too. It really was. But uh, I have all those genes already and it didn't have any T negative and I wouldn't have really done anything with it. So. Yeah, that's my thing I've gotten picky about. I'm like, I don't, I don't buy just snakes anymore. You know, for a long time, my collection was just like, that's pretty. But now mm -hmm. it's like, okay, this is pretty, but it has a purpose. Which I know some people will look at that and go, well, why would you do that? Now, why, not, why not just buy the things you want? Because I enjoy the fact that I'm getting this certain Samboa to eventually produce these Samboas and see what happens. That's, I enjoy that more than if I had, you know, 15 different species of snakes. Whereas I know some people just, they enjoy the variety. And that's that's the great thing about this hobby is you can, have so many different ways in which you get joy out of the hobby. And for me, it is the breeding. And whereas like for Darren, his is, uh, you know, come home and, and hold them. And it's, it's a, it's a relaxing thing for him as a pet. And that's awesome too. You know, I don't think enough people do that. Also, I say that, you know, knowing that I don't do that, but that's not my thing. But I feel like so many people yeah, jump. It's great. Well, so many people jump into the breeding part and maybe they should be more like, let's just own pets i was a pet owner for a really long time i'm not doing math in my head <laughs> but at least 10 years i was a pet owner first and then yeah maybe like 12 years and then i went on to breeding but i was like very low number pet owner like i had well i had one and then maybe i got up to six and it was all corn snakes Cause no, I love corn snakes. No one ever has one snake for more than a year. Like one, just just one snake for more than a year. That's very if hard. They live on their own and are an adult. <laughs> yes. True. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a kid and your parents bought it, then yes. But if you live, because especially if you've ever been to a reptile show, because then it's impossible. Yeah. You know, they're, they're like a. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, it's just I, I've gotten to a point though now when I go to reptile shows, I don't buy stuff generally just because most reptile shows don't have things that. I want. Whereas when I was younger, I'd have found stuff I wanted. Like there definitely yep. would have been, there'd have been stuff I wanted there. And I would, I would be like, Oh, I'm going to a reptile show. I got to buy something. Yep. And I'm like, eh, I just want to, I just go just to go. I just go straight to breeders now. That's what I do. Like I know who's working with the stuff that I'm looking for and just do that. Works yeah. out for me. Yeah. If they ever have Tim Lee again, I'll go there and maybe buy something. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see they're having a, they're having another Tinley though? They're supposed to have one Labor Day weekend in St. Louis. That's weird. Not Tinley, obviously. NARBC, my bad. I was like, uh, makes no sense. <laughs> no, no, not Tinley. NARBC. <laughs> they added a new location for NARBC in St. Louis. Well, that's cool. That's closer to to me than Tinley. So me too. Yeah, so. anyone south of Tinley, it's probably closer. Which is funny. I've I've yet to go to the Arlington one, and that's the closest. And I have yet to go Arlington there. is not that close for me. I'm no. too far east. But that's the closest for me. But 
so now there's there's options for them. I'm interested to see how big the St. Louis one gets. I feel the Tinley one has outgrown its location. Yes, I kind of think it has as well. Because um, I, I, I think that they could fill a place twice that size. Honestly, they could probably fill a place twice that size. Um, I imagine their waiting list is very long. Probably. I am not on it yet. And and I can guarantee you no one wants to get shoved into those rooms ever again. If they I don't was I talking to you about it where if they would group the species that are in those rooms that they probably would do better because people that are looking like if you put all the tarantulas in the room, there are people that just like tarantulas, they're gonna go in that room and check out everyone that's in there. Yeah, but here comes the problem though, when you do that, it really screws over the breeders. Cause like, yeah, you get everybody Why, in there. You put them all together? Yeah, but then it comes up, it basically becomes a bidding war. If Ow, who cares if, if you're selling that? you'd care about that if you felt yours was worth more than the other person's. It's much easier for someone to see yours, which is gonna be great whatever it is, great quality on the your side of, of of the place for whatever price. And they say they go over to the other side and there's another one which doesn't look as good, but it's cheaper. You know, there the I think when your two tables are next to each other you would feel as a breeder, oh, man, I really have to get my prices more comparable to the other guy so that I can also sell as well. I just, I think it would be – I get the positives. I just think the negatives outweigh the positives. I think in reality, mm-hmm. they just need a I whole – I just don't think – I don't think that only because, like, I truly believe you get what you pay for. And so the bougie in me, maybe <laughs> that's it, you know? I don't I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe that's what it is. Like, I really feel like – if you spend the extra money, do your research first, but a lot of times you do get what you pay for. You know? That's true. I was afraid I wasn't going to sell any snakes, any snakes from this litter on Morph Market just because it was easier to sell my boas, I felt like, on there because they were, even though I sold less on there, but they were $400, $500 snakes, whereas now I'm selling a $75 snake and someone's like, how much is shipping? And I look it up and I'm like, oh, shipping is also $70. I know. Isn't that crazy? And then they still want it. And they still buy it. I'm like, Sweet. That happened with my corn snakes. I was selling like $45 corn snakes and they still wanted them. Shipping was more than the snake. But then you realize, go ahead. Do you guys feel like there will be a certain point or a certain time of year when you'll be able to do outside shows maybe? I've done, they've started shows up here. I've done shows already. Outside? I'm talking about outside, outside. No. Like a certain time of year. That's too hot. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that with the sun baking down on them. Even in a tent. I mean, because you're talking like, I don't know, up there, down here in Louisiana, that's like a month. You have a month of weather where that would be feasible. Mm -hmm. And then it's either going to be way too cold or, oh, my God, it's the 19th level of hell. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Is that thinking along the lines because of COVID and being outside? Yeah, because of COVID. Because of COVID. Okay. Like, as an alternative to like let's have an outside show at that time of year it's maybe 65 75 80 degrees outside and not raining yes yeah, so we don't we don't get that that very often like that's march about march is it and then it gets hot i mean today i think it felt the heat index was like 105 106 yeah, somewhere like today it is, yeah um I don't know. I, I mean, it's funny hearing people talk about shows not happening. The big shows aren't happening, but like the Herp shows are happening. 
And I can definitely see both sides of, well, they shouldn't be. I get that. But then on the other side, like I have friends that do the herp shows and that's their main source of income is doing reptile shows, you know? And so it's a tricky thing right now. I think, uh, if precautions are being taken the way they're supposed to be, they're fine to an extent, but I did do one slightly outdoor show once it was at an alligator farm in, in Alabama. And it was, it was outside in a tent. Um, and it, it was the right time of year where it was like 60 degrees outside or 65 degrees outside. So it was doable. But again, in South Alabama, that's about a month window where mm-hmm. it's comfortable outside. And even like Memphis, I know Memphis gets hot as hell too. Yeah. It's ridiculously hot right now. Yeah, I don't, 95 I don't, and like 80% humidity. Yeah, I don't even go outside. I'm just like, screw it. <laughs> outside doesn't exist until November. I'm with you on that one. I'll be honest. Every now and then I just go out and check on my tortoises, make sure my tortoises are still alive. I'm like, y'all are good. Going back inside. <laughs> and they're just like hanging out in the middle of the sun, eating grass. I'm like, screw you guys. It's too damn hot. Even my dog. My dog will go outside and just lay in the sun. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? It is 90-something, 100 degrees outside, and you're just like, I'm going to lay in the sun. So that goes, back to, that goes back to my whole, I sweat too much to be outside. <laughs> or to be a cook, chef. We can't, we can't all be perfect. So that's all I got. We're it. That's it. So sad. Elfine. I don't have anything else. I'm looking at my paper and it's all empty. All right. Well, Darren, if people want to get a hold of you and chit chat with you about reptile related things, where can they find you? Uh, Facebook. All righty. Or uh, the live chat on From the Ground Up podcast. <laughs> yep. Yes, find yes. him there. You'll find him there as well. <laughs> Although I haven't got a notice for that, so I don't think he's doing it. I wonder it. if maybe, he's doing it tomorrow, maybe. Maybe it'll be tomorrow, so we'll be able to see it tomorrow. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Well, he went uh, last week, and uh, I know it happened last week while we were on the podcast because we got was, the little notification, right? And it was Justin when I went back to watch it. Yeah, I noticed that Justin was filling in for Joe. That's right, Joe was sick because Justin right, d- right. Justin doesn't have enough things to do already. He's like, you know what I'll do? I'll fill in on another podcast. <laughs> so that puts him at like four podcasts and a magazine. So good friend, right there, good friend. Um, yeah, so you can find me at designer exotics on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, or designerexotics.net. And, uh, if you do slide into my DM, please comment on some posts that you did that. So I can look at my <laughs> requests and actually talk to you in a timely manner. That is the worst thing about Facebook messenger. Yeah. Like if you're not friends with them, it ain't showing up. Yeah. yeah I didn't get your message till later. I was like, yeah. oh, all right, hold on. Well, I thought about that when I sent, I was like, no, April's going to have to do it. She's friends with him because he has no idea that I sent him a message. Because yep, that's what I did. <laughs> Facebook, Facebook hides it from people. Um, also, if anybody's interested in, in blood pythons, she's got some soon whenever they get to the point that you well, – how long do you have to be till you sell them? I like to get four or five meals in their bellies. So is that – are you usually selling a baby blood before it's first shed? Yes. Okay. Most definitely. It was like six months or whatever, right, for the first shed? Mm, maybe like three. Three? Yeah. It's crazy. I know, right? Um, if you would like to get a hold of me, because I have sand boas, please buy a sand boa. 
They're great pets. Uh, <laughs> you can find me at Simply Serpents on Facebook or Simply Underscore Serpents on Instagram. Uh, also, check out our uh, – why is my brain melting today? Jesus. Our sponsor. I could not find the simple word sponsor. Check out our sponsor, Lone Star Reptile Racks, and go over there. If you need a rack, he ships. You can get them to you or go see him at a show. Um, the next show is again in three weeks at Corpus Christi. Uh, get your rack delivered there. Um, yeah, can't say enough great things about Robert. If you haven't uh, met Robert before, go listen to our last podcast. We had him on. It was a great podcast. He's a great guy. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, it is the Reptile Gumbo Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, the Reptile Gumbo Podcast at gmail.com. Each week, we'll, again, we'll put up a post asking for things that you have seen, that you want us to talk about. Um, and that's it. That's all I got. What, awesome. Is that, is that your cat at the end finishing that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, that's all I got. <laughs> that's, she's such an annoying meow, too. It's terrible. It sounds like she's dying or in heat, and it's a neither. Uh, well, go enjoy your ball sacks. Okay. And thank you for coming to the 25th episode. That is not half a year. Just so not, everyone knows. It is not half a year. For those of you that are also struggling at math, 25 <laughs> is not half of 52. Oh, too and th- funny. And thank you for, and Darren, thank you for listening uh, to our podcast. Thank you for, um, guys, I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. It was awesome. And, and you're, one um, of the, you're on that list of people where I can't believe that you actually listen to us talk. That's insane. <laughs> I haven't missed the episode, guys. Oh, appreciate you very much. You're doing better than my wife. <laughs> <laughs> true story though she just told me that (laughs) so all right thank y'all have a good one you guys have a good night bye good night